Hello everybody, this is Kathy Ray with the University of Nevada Reno Libraries and Teaching and Learning Technologies. How are you? How are you doing during this time of staying home for Nevada? It's hard, right? It's an adjustment. Well, all of us here in the libraries and TLT hope that you and your families are staying safe and taking things as they come, finding joy in the small things of everyday life. In the past few weeks, as we're all adjusting to the new abnormal, uh, the people who work in the libraries and TLT have been finding really creative and innovative ways to provide resources, support, hands-on assistance to our university community, despite not being on campus and despite being in the midst of this global health crisis. And you know what? It's working. It's working surprisingly well. Each of our departments has shown up in extraordinary and unexpected ways. We decided we wanted to share these accomplishments and stories with all of you. So we started the show, Checked Out. It's a new podcast from the University Libraries and TLT. It's our attempt to highlight the great work that's happening collectively, even if it's happening remotely. So until we're able to see you on campus again, we're going to broadcast from here, and I hope you'll listen in. I'm excited to introduce our hosts, Sasha Saletta from Access Services and Sean Busey from Electronic Resources Acquisitions and Serials, and I want to thank them for doing this. Take it away, Sasha and Sean. Thank you, Kathy, for that rousing introduction of this podcast. <laughs> I don't know why I shattered it right there, but anyway, my name is Sasha, and I work in the Access Services Department at the Knowledge Center. And with me, I have... Uh, my name is Sean. I work in Electronic Resources and Acquisition Services, uh, also also known as one of the departments that makes up the, the much-feared... You know, it's it's the Mount Doom of, of the Knowledge Center technical services. Yes, it is the back part that nobody, people rarely get to see if you're not in the know. Um, yes. It's actually, because people always wonder, because our building is huge, right? So people mm -hmm. are all like, where's the rest of the space? Well, we have Mars, and then sitting on top of Mars, we have your guys' department. <laughs> Yeah, so, yeah. One, one does not simply walk into technical no, services. No, like I try to to water their plants and it just, <laughs> there was a bouncer and it just didn't work out for me. So I'm. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's this really big Estonian guy. Uh-huh. Uh, can't, don't know his name. Just. Doesn't matter. Just keeps the riffraff out of tech services, apparently. <laughs> uh, so. What we're doing with this uh, this podcast, I guess, is just to kind of bring a little positivity, talk about what the, the library and affiliated folks are doing to have a good impact while the world does its best to, to fall to pieces. So our first interview in this series is actually from somebody who has been making PPE masks, which mm -hmm. protect 
people in hospitals and stuff. They're the ones yeah. that are kind of like, I'm going to go with salad bar shield for the face. <laughs> it's it's a it's a portable sneeze guard. Yeah, portable sneeze guard. Um, for medical personnel. Yeah. So uh, with that, uh, let's let's uh, get to this interview. We'd like to uh, introduce uh, Nick Crowell. He's the makerspace manager at the uh, university's De La Mer Library. And then uh, joining us for possible contributions is uh, Tara. How do you pronounce your last name? I don't think I've ever heard it out loud. All right, Radnicki. Radnicki, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, the head of De La Mer Library. Uh, Sasha, do you want to go first since I did that? Oh, okay. I see how this is. Um, <laughs> we trade. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so... So, Nick, uh, what have you been working on during this uh, time period? Well, um, for at least the last couple of weeks now, we have been focusing our efforts on 3D printing and uh, making protective visors for medical personnel around uh, Reno and in the rural hospitals around the state. What, what specific equipment are you making? Just visors or anything in addition to that? Or for me and what our library can do, it's pretty much just the visors. I can 3D print these headbands um, two every hour and a half or so. And so the library was generous enough to let me borrow the 3D printer and bring it home. And so it's been running for about 16 to 18 hours a day every day since we all got sent home. Nice. So you have been doing this all from home and not at De La Mer in person? You know, there was, there was one day early on where I got to spend some time at De La Mer using the laser cutter to actually cut out that plastic visor part you see here. Yeah. Um, but with the new set of restrictions, we've actually just been doing those with a single hole punch and a pair of scissors. That easy. Cool. Very nice. Uh, so what is, what is the impact of these and who, who has it been impacting? You said rural hospitals? Yeah, so our initial goal was to be able to provide at least 100 of these to the Nevada Rural uh, Hospital Partner Association. And we met that need um, early last week. And so now there's actually a very large community group um, all kind of organized on Slack. Mm -hmm. And we've been pooling our resources along with theirs. Uh, I believe the last count I saw was more than 2,000 of the face shields had been distributed um, to various groups around Reno. That's great. That's really great. And how did how did you get in touch with that specific organization? Uh, this is where Tara may need to check me, but I believe a <laughs> conversation started um, with some of the engineering faculty contacting her initially. And then once I was sort of brought into the loop, there were a couple of different ideas being thrown around at first, and um, I was introduced to, at the time, a very small group on Slack where we were trying to organize efforts. And then um, since then, it's just kind of gone from there. We have now almost 100 members on the Slack channel. That's really cool. So you're one of like a larger group that are manufacturing these then, I would take it? There's more, there's other companies and places yeah. in, on in Reno. <laughs> yes, so we have 
probably about a half dozen um, faculty members from the university also making these. Um, and then, like I was saying, we've kind of started, for logistics reasons, pooling our resources together with the community. Um, there's, uh, of course, the Reno Collective has thrown their expertise and their resources at this. Um, Griffin Co. Gaming, it's a local gaming store uh, in Reno. They, they have, I believe, between 12 and 16 3D printers that they have made available for this sort of thing. So really, we are part of it, but um, the local community has really been spearheading the effort. That's, that's really cool. Um, and then is this part of like a, a national or even an international thing? Is this happening in other places, not just here? Yeah, so the design that we actually picked to use um, started out as a Swedish design. Um, the I'm not sure when the guy actually started working on it, but he got it approved by um, Sweden's health industry. And then after that, with a couple of other designs, they became kind of wildly popular across all of the makerspace and 3D printing websites out there. And so this is, it's affecting, you know, more than just Reno, it's the whole country, and then many other countries have jumped on to this. Right. That's great. Do you see as this, like, moves forward having 3D printed anything else, or could anything else be 3D printed in, like, conjunction to what we're going through right now, or...? Yeah, so... Um, Along with these face shields, I know Costas Alexis here at UNR is working on uh, printing some uh, face masks that actually take N95 filters. He's having to do that out of an antimicrobial filament. Mm -hmm. And then in other areas around Reno, we've been printing off uh, splitters for ventilators. So one ventilator can actually power multiple different, I guess, people. It sounds weird to say it that way. It's terrible. Just a little bit. <laughs> but yeah, so uh, besides just printing these face visors, uh, there's quite a few different applications. Another one that I've seen recently is kind of a, a band that goes around the back of somebody's head so that they can adjust the ear looping parts on a face mask to better fit an individual and take strain off of their ears mm. just because they're having to wear them you know, all day, every day now. Yeah. Uh, so what are, what are the challenges involved in this? The challenges have, there have been <laughs> quite a few challenges so far. Um, you know, when you've got this many people in one place that all really want to do the right thing, um, getting everyone onto the same page, onto one design, onto you know, getting the logistics set up, that was all very challenging in the first few days. Mm -hmm. uh, there were a lot of conversations between Tara and I where we would set our idea of what needed to happen and then an hour later completely pivot on that because we found new information somebody else had joined and was able to make their resources available so luckily most of that the logistics issues have been solved and now we're just facing um, questions about getting supplies and you know how long this is going to go on mm -hmm. and what is it going to take to sustain this effort to get us through right how um how much does it cost, I guess, to produce, like, one of these face shields? 
It costs about 75 cents per okay. face shield, and the price is actually going down. We've been able to, so the clear plastic part on the front of it um, were supplies that I borrowed from the At One's uh, poster printing operation. Um, we've since contacted the company that provides the At One with that stuff and found a thinner material that'll work just as well. Um, so that's lowered the cost individually. Nice. Uh, and these are like single use, right? Or are they reusable? Are we? The headbands are definitely reusable and the face shields are likely reusable um, as long as they don't get too damaged. They can be uh, separated and then sanitized after, you know, the end of each use. So that was one of the factors in going into choosing this design is keeping it around. We didn't want it to just be a single use and then throw it in the garbage. Right. So is... You mentioned like the logistics and getting the materials for this. Is it as bad as everyone trying to buy TP at Costco right now? Like how much, is there a shortage or? Yeah, it has definitely been difficult. You know, all of my usual comfortable suppliers got bought out of things very quickly. Um, Amazon halted priority shipping on 3D printing materials and things like that. Um, adding in the difficulties of just getting things shipped and delivered. We've got a couple of day lag time in between when I call a company and they say, yes, we can get you these supplies before they actually know if they can fulfill that order. So that's been a real challenge. Yeah, probably running down pretty short on a list of potential vendors there. Yeah, you know, uh, two weeks ago I called up uh, my binding, the company that provides the plastic shields, and asked them what I thought was a crazy question of, can I order 5,000 of these today? And on that day, they said, oh yeah, that would be easy. Well, we put in our order a day or two later, and they were completely out. Wow. Right? So, yeah, getting supplies and keeping it all going has, is the current challenge. But luckily, the, the Reno community group just secured uh, 5,000 sheets. And Reno Type, a local company, has offered to do all of the punching of the holes for them. So that means we can easily have thousands more face shields ready and available to anyone that needs them very quickly now. I imagine punching them by hand was not fun for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, depending on what you're using, it's sometimes a little easier or more difficult. Uh, yeah. The At One likes to buy nice, really high quality stuff, which as it turns out, is enough to break hole punches after doing 20 to 30 of them. <laughs> uh, we had some of the other faculty in engineering go around their departments and find old transparency sheets from back when we used to use those. and. Uh, those you can actually do two or three at a time. Mm -hmm. It's nice sitting there doing some professional development work and just kind of punching out the holes and listening to the LinkedIn videos. <laughs> hey, it works, you know, pass the time. <laughs> yeah. So going forward, do you think there's going to be any more changes to how we interact with the community? I mean, I feel like this was a big community effort for you guys. And do you think going forward, this has really opened the doors for more community projects like this? even looking past the pandemic? Um, yes, I think so. You know, UNR is always kind of seen as an island by itself, but mm -hmm. we've been working really hard to try to communicate with all the other big and small people here in town that are interested in helping out. And 
So if something like this were to ever happen again, our group of makers and helpers has already been established. And even outside of the group that I'm in right now, there's a huge one for sewing efforts to make gowns and face masks. And so we have a lot of new connections. I've digitally met a ton of different educators, librarians, uh, people that saw the problem, realized they had the equipment and resources to make a difference, and then just wanted to jump in. That's great. I'll add something to that. You know, just today, one of the computer science uh, and engineering faculty members emailed me uh, and some others about like a new NSF grant, the National Science Foundation. Um, and it's a community university collaboration grant where we would be asked to work with our communities to identify uh, needed innovative priorities. And then we would partner with researchers. Uh, so the community would partner with researchers at the university to help facilitate solutions to those priorities. So because this sort of stuff is happening all over the country, all over the world, like, and we're recognizing that we are best when both these resources come together, the community and business expertise, along with the researching expertise at the university. Right. And we can kind of meet these big challenges. So to me, it was really exciting to see these big um, uh, funding organizations starting to prioritize this sort of collaborative work, too. Yeah, I mean, it sounds fantastic. It's, it's really great. I know it was always hard in the past to connect the university with the community, and it seems like this is bringing everybody together a little bit <laughs> on many different levels. <laughs> right? I mean, this is a land-grant university for, for yeah. sure, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I think um, people f can forget that, but what happens at a land-grant university should directly benefit the people of that land, the people of that mm -hmm. state, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think this is an excellent example of the university getting to use its resources directly benefit the people of the state of Nevada. Yeah, it just took the world almost ending for everyone to <laughs> yeah. realize it. Yeah. Just a little bit. Not, 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 not a big push. You know? No, no, right? <laughs> you guys have anything else you wanna wanna add on? I don't think so, other than maybe just, you know, a reminder that there is still a need and that, like I was saying, you can make some of these things with a hole punch and a pair of scissors at home. So if anyone is finding themselves without enough to do or just wants a break, you know, they can still help out. Anyone with a sewing machine, fabric, things like that. There's a lot of different ways that uh, people can join in helping right now. And if they are interested, they can just go ahead and send me an email and I'll get them hooked up with whichever group uh, kind of best fits what they can work on. Nice. Yeah, really yeah and I would encourage everybody to find ways that they feel like they can help because it, it can really ease some of that powerlessness, I think, that we feel in these types of situations. I don't know how many times Nick and I have talked to each other and been like, I'm so grateful we can do something about this. You don't just have to sit in your room. But even today, you know, I was reading some articles online and there's like lots of digital volunteer opportunities, right? In 30 hours, you can be trained to man crisis lines and you can write elderly um, people stuck in isolation letters. And there's just a lot of things that we can do um, that I think can, can remind you of what you're capable of even in these types of circumstances. So I would encourage everybody to find find ways that they can help and they can be big or small and they all contribute. Fantastic. That's great points to make. Yeah, so thank you guys for being yeah, our test subjects, you. basically. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, yeah. you bet. You bet. All right, so that was a first interview you all just heard. Do you remember when 3D printing was like first a thing? Like yeah, when we yeah. were like 10 years ago, it was so crazy. And now we yeah. have people like just making stuff. Sure, it still takes like 12 hours. 
but yeah, it takes a while. What blows my mind is like on online when I see, oh, I 3D printed Iron Man suit. <laughs> Just like how, how? Yeah, I can't believe it's gone that far. Yeah, it's it's cool. It's cool, and it's great to see see it used for such a good cause, like a really good purpose. Yeah, That's amazing stuff. I mean. 3D printed Iron Man suits, I think, is a good purpose. Let me put it this way. If superheroes were real, <laughs> I would put the Iron Man suit first. Let's let's be okay, honest. Okay, yeah, I mean, but fair. that is fantasy, and we do have a very real pandemic, so I'm going to have to go with the medical supplies, at least by default. One day I will make my 3D printed Iron Man suit. <laughs> but, like, with, a, like, a beer belly, like, plate I can add... <laughs> I can do oh. it all, Sean. So our credits today, you have your wonderful hosts, Sasha and Sean. Yeah. And a special thanks to our guest today, Nick Crowell from the De La Mer Science and Engineering Library. He is the Makerspace and DataWorks Manager and Tara Radnicki, head of the De La Mer Science and Engineering Library. Thank you to the library's podcast team, Maggie Russell, Michelle Rebelletti, Lucas Starmer, Jill Stockton, uh, Drew Willis. And a special thank you to the Dean of Libraries, Kathy Ray. The music this episode was provided by Better Days by Lewin Wilkstorm, courtesy of Universal Production Music. And until next time, this is Checked Out, Checking Out. I do recognize the pain Hits you all, bleed back again and again